0: You're listening to The Nerve, an English and arts podcast from SETU. I'm your host, Dr Jenny O'Connor. In this episode, we're delighted to welcome Dee Grant, a lecturer here at SETU Watford and a dance artist who has worked with community groups, art centres and regional artists. In summer 2017, she became Dance Artist-in-Residence in Waterford, supported by the Arts Council of Ireland, Garter Lane Arts Centre and Waterford City and County Council. Most recently, she and her fine art photographer brother have produced a book which aims to provide a sensorial experience for people interested in finding their way back to the experience of touch and movement. Entitled Prompts for the Mover, the publication will be available in March 2023. A huge welcome to the podcast, Dee. So your work is so varied and interesting and it moves from kind of practice to theory and back again. Um, Can you tell us how did you get here? How did you get to this point in your career?
1: Oh, well... Uh, I've always trained um, and been um, an advocate for contemporary dance, I think, since I was probably a young girl of of nine or 10. I was introduced to the to the Art Centre uh, in Wexford Art Centre, and then they ran contemporary dance programmes there for young people. And um, I followed my, my love, really, of that. I was addicted the uh, first time I tried it. I, I, I was uh, just um, so convinced that this was a way of being. This is the way I wanted to move in my life. And that continued. And uh, I trained uh, at Middlesex University in, in London then, did my degree in dance. And um, I came back to Ireland with very, I suppose, little job opportunities at the time in the 90s, early 90s, uh, founded my own company uh, and then actually applied to uh, a, a WIT at the time. I have to, 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 to uh, <laughs> reiterate it was WIT and uh, they were looking for a dance person uh, in the arts department, actually, originally and um, within social care department. Um, right. also. So that's how I've come to uh, SETU really and that was a long time ago, 96... I started, and
0: that's interesting, isn't it? That that they had a post in that area at that time in the nineties. Yeah. You wouldn't be, th- you wouldn't think that WIT would have been as progressive as that in in a yeah. sense, you know. Mm-hmm. And th- and then when you came here, you were mm-hmm. teaching, you teach across a number of different programs, so theatre studies, early childhood studies, mm-hmm. and social care. So yes. so like when when I realised that, I was going wow. I mean, in what way do they use dance in social care? In what way do they use dance in early childhood studies? You know, mm-hmm. um, so. Pres- Presumably they all need different things from you, I presume, you know, in relation to the role of movement and the body. So tell us a little bit about the way that you employ dance in those different disciplines.
1: Yes they are three different areas they're they're not unrelated um, the only difference I suppose be in the theatre studies uh, I would also teach resourcing theatre and professional development for theatre uh, makers so they're non-dance related um, so but but I, I would also would do a, such an amount of body based work um, with the early childhood obviously intro to theatre here as well and and um, what else have I not mentioned? Uh, social care. Um, and when I, you say yeah. body based work, yeah, is it yep. so for, for early
0: childhood studies, what does that entail?
1: Yeah, we just look at uh, early developmental movement patterns in babies and small children. And um, I have I've a huge fascination with how people learn and in what ways they can learn and That uh, in non text ways as well, um, and in kinesthetic learning in in particular. So, we kind of encourage that uh, within the early childhood programme as well. I mean, the children essentially learn through play. And sure, look, most theatre artists and dancers, what do we do on stage? You know, (laughs) only play. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So, play and improv have been part of my life uh, and part of the way I make dance. Um, so it's it's a happy, I'm a happy bedfellow uh, teaching uh, dance in whatever categories uh, SETU wants to, to to put me in. And, and the uh,
0: social care, what, what way do they use it
1: in, yeah, then in terms of the yeah. body based stuff? Yeah, yeah. We really work um, on the notion of community uh, and uh, community arts um, and community dance models. And we'd use a lot of methodology around um, uh, how to facilitate and how to uh, encourage nonverbal communication uh, in clients and service with with service users, and um, I suppose I'm lucky because I because I work part time for SETU then. I have my whole other kind of side to my career as well, where I'm working with people, everyday people um, in different contexts. You know, I have worked in psychiatric units. I have worked with intellectual disability, intellectual disability services. Um, So I bring that to SETU. And, um, you know, I make lots of anecdotes and I tell the students lots of stories and lots of encounters and of, uh, of um, situations I, I've been in. So I think the students find that I'm very real <laughs> when I come into them because uh, the day before I could have been in a, in a, in a day service unit and, um, you know, we could be working on a, a creative project and I'd bring in. You know, some ideas maybe from that uh, into the students.
0: That's really uh, interesting. It's, and I love how, you know, I'm sure there are preconceptions that the students might have around somebody who who works in this area. And yet, you know, you're dealing with, say, for in social social care, you're dealing with some of the people that these students may, may meet when they leave. Yeah. You know, it's very relevant, isn't it? It's really important yeah. and, and really important yeah. to understand how to communicate in a yeah. nonverbal way. That's so crucial. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Can I ask you as well, because I know with the theatre studies students that you're interested in uh, things like sight Specific work and site-specific performances. I find it really hard to say the words "site-specific" properly. <laughs> um, but how do you think it helps you to, you know, to to do what you're aiming for in a particular location?
1: Why is location so so important? Um, yeah, and so, yes, site-specific is really interesting. Um, I I kind of like I find site-specific very liberating uh, because you're bringing uh, theatre and dance somewhere that isn't perceived as a place that you would perform dance and theatre is. Uh, So it's different. It's a a different area. Um, it's, It's almost like virgin territory, you know, it's like... Um, And I I love putting dance in a space that you would never think about putting dance um, in and just seeing the delight of audiences as well. It's it's like you're reimagining. And for me, it's like there must be a little visual art in me or something, whereas I love that that visual aspect that it's a canvas. It's it's an open canvas and I can put something in a space that wasn't there before and maybe people change people's uh, perception of that space. Yeah. Uh, and know, what do you think it does for the students? Do you think it, it opens their minds in,
0: in in doing something like that, that puts mm. them into a almost a vulnerable position or into a position <laughs> where they're less sure of themselves, I presume?
1: Yes, there's a whole range of feelings that the students have. Uh, they, they can also loathe it <laughs> uh, because it's a very vulnerable place. It's usually outdoors. Um, it's, there's usually an audience passing by maybe when you're at the same time as making it. So you have to be quite brave to rehearse it, uh, it within a public space environment. Um, but I, I do think it teaches them not to depend on theatre venues um, to and not to depend so much that they stop making work, you know, that if they do have an idea and they want to make work, you know, go and do it. And if it needs to be outdoors or if it needs to be specific, it is another option on the table for them. Um, and not every theatre show is lit and in a roofed venue. And some of the best theatre I've seen has been outdoors. That's brilliant
0: for them then, isn't it? Yeah. It's it, Because it's liberating. It gives yeah. them a sense of agency and they yeah. realise that this isn't something that I need in order to create my work.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and also, I know you, you touched on it earlier, um, but you are really interested as well in recognising people with a, a variety of abilities, physical abilities, intellectual abilities. Tell us a little bit about about your interest in that.
1: Yeah, um, I suppose around about 2000, um, which is probably, God, about 20 years ago now, um, I was just approached by a day service uh, actually in Wexford and um, the centre dealt uh, and uh, I suppose the service users that would go there daily, um, had um, they were clients who had intellectual disability and they approached me, would I work? In that area, and I said, mm, uh, I don't know. I don't. I. I. I'd love to, but I don't think I have enough experience. Or you know, do I need more experience? Or you know, do I need certain qualifications? Or you know, yeah. um, is goodwill enough? Um, and they said, No, no, no. Come into us. We've heard about what you do. We, we think you're the right tone of person. The right. You've got the right. Um, you know, attitude towards. Uh, you know, dances for everybody. And I've always had that ethos in my life. And so I started doing some classes with them. I said, I'd just trial it out, pilot it out. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I think what, why I, I continue, it's, it's continued as part of my life um, right through to into uh, the last few years as well. And I like the area because I like solving problems, I realise that I like, I like, and, and what, what I mean by that is I like solving choreographic problems. So you might have a group of young people, they Might have, they might be, one person might be in a wheelchair, you might have another um, person, non-verbal, um, you might have another person, which has happened to me recently uh, in the class and in the group that was blind. And I actually thrive on trying to find a solution to... How do we all communicate as a group with all of our different needs? Mm. Um, so and, and because I in college, I did quite a lot with choreography and choreographic uh, strategies as well for working with groups. I find that I'm able to tap into that side of me that, I, you know, so I, I create really good creative solutions around that, you know, that um, and uh, I'm not daunted by difference. You know, I actually, I seem to thrive. You yeah, know, a few colleagues of mine have said that to me, you know, you, do you go search and like for difficulties, you know. Uh, but I love that. And then, of course, the older I've got, I realised that we've all got additional needs, you know. I'm 50, 51 now, you know, and we've all got something, you know. Um, yeah. So I really like that uh, inclusive landscape and, um, and I like the joy of finding something that everybody can do. And maybe it's something that's not verbal. Maybe it's a sensory engagement idea. Um, you know, maybe it's tactile, but it's something that everyone can participate in. So they were right. You were the right person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and can I ask you then? Because I know that you work with Traces Dance Ensemble, um, and that you've put on shows with with that with that group. So, what kind of shows do you produce with them? I mean, do you produce? anything pre-existing or do you formulate it with the group? How does that work? And then do you get feedback from the participants? How
1: did they find yeah. the whole experience? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose, well, we work very creatively in that group. And, um, Nine times out of 10, the ideas would come from the group itself. So you have to work with improvisation with them really initially um, that they're, you know, you're throwing a prompt out there. Um, You know, somebody might have a basic idea about what they want to make a dance piece about, but inherently it's devised. Um, so we're not kind of tapping into the musical theatre, you know, genre or, you know, something that has come from another show. Um, It's really about making a dance piece which has their voice in it, something that has their voice in it right throughout it. Um, So that's kind of the area that I that I'm most excited about. And then you kind of shape it. Um, So they do that. They have traces of this been going a whopping 13 years Wow. Um, not not all of it with me. Um, I had a predecessor Libby Seward, who was incredible who founded traces and um, and then I took over the reins then about six years ago with them and uh, yeah they've done they've performed for the president they've uh, toured Ireland they've been in several art centers at dance festivals wow. um, they've made a dance film. Um they do. Yeah, they do fantastic things. They're just an incredible group of young people who are mad to dance. And do they know? do they come back to you and
0: tell you how, the, you know, I mean, it must be amazing yeah. if if you know, based on their own testimony, that this has meant something to them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You get that pretty immediately um, when you're teaching. Cl- we have a, a weekly class, a weekly engagement um, and then we build up towards a show or sometimes it's a project that we're on or we have specific funding like to do a flash mob or to do, make a film uh, together. But you know pretty instant when you put the word out there like, do you want to do this? You know, we've, you know, we've a bit of fun, you know, they, they you know, they you'll sense that there's a just a no. There's just no response. No, we don't <laughs> want to do that. So it's very black and white in that sense. So you'll get an instant um, reaction, you know, with that group. And luckily, most of what I, anything I've proposed or, you know, I have to kind of source some funding for them as well to kind of keep them going uh, as an entity and as a, mm. I suppose they're like a little kind of semi professional unit now. But that takes a lot of work to try and keep you know, other practitioners as well, choreographing with them and teaching with them and uh, other artists work with them as well. So we have to constantly put our um, name in the pot for funding. Yes. So you're making applications. And, and that's no small yeah. thing. I mean, there's a
0: lot of work involved in applying for funding. No, this, that's the there?
1: freelance kind of gig in, okay. in in the arts industry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um yeah, and getting good at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. And you yeah. work you work a lot
0: with older adults as well. Um, mm. And, you know, obviously movement is so important as we get older. Um, mm. Do you mm. find that these are people who are kind of more in tune with their bodies than we might be or that they... Are kind of having to reconnect with their bodies? What kind of relationships? I'm sure, you know, there's probably a broad spectrum.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, Jenny. Yeah, it's about 50-50. Yeah, in that regard, like um, um, any of the older movers that that come into my classes, um, yeah, they they usually have a good sense of their body already, but maybe might have tried dance when they were small children or younger um, or through the teens and then maybe had, you know, got married, had families, maybe left the workforce, um, you know, and had to, you know, and probably, you know, I would be teaching women in their 70s, 67, so they would know what it's like to to, you know, not have choices, yeah. you know, so they were, Um, they might have been child rearing for a lot of their lives. And some of them are, are, are grand, you know, grandparents as well. So they're grandparent rearing or <laughs> grandchildren rearing, yeah. you know, now. And so they're really interesting demographic. Um, and, and would they be mainly, they'd be mainly women, I presume, then? mainly women mm. it is very difficult um to engage men in their 60s 70s 80s I- I- in that category um now i do do it and work in the psychiatric units we do we do i i work predominantly with men which is really interesting <laughs> that is interesting isn't <laughs> yeah. it yeah yeah um but no um the 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 groups i teach generally um The women are women, or or we get an odd man every now and again. (laughs) Um, they're generally just very comfortable in their own skin. Um, But they want something. They want to know what this creative thing is. They're curious, you know, because they can see their grandchildren going to this class and doing that and doing the piano lesson and the ballet lessons and this. And they want to know, can I do this? You know, uh, you know, I like singing. Uh, You know, I have a voice. I like moving. You know, um, I like dancing. You know, what is this? What is this creative piece in here? Is it something I can do at an older age? You know, yeah. and of course <laughs> they can. And they've so much experience that when you make a piece of choreography, there's so many ideas around in the group already because they've had lived experience. That's fantastic. It's just like reawakening
0: something that's already there. Yeah. And I mean, for, for me, I know that it wasn't a thing when I was a kid that you went to too many after school activities. But like for that mm. generation, mm. there was no such thing, really. Um, so there's, I'm sure there are entire aspects of their personalities that are coming to life in these sessions. It's just yeah. great, isn't it? It's amazing. It yeah. must be amazing to witness that. Yeah. And also, yeah. it, it's very much connected to the book that you've produced. So you've mm. produced prompts for The Mover um, yeah. and it's it grew from an idea that you had during COVID. So why did that idea come into your mind at that time? And then how did you manage to realise it? Because it's taken a little bit of time to get to the stage that it's at now. What was that idea during COVID that sprang into your Head.
1: Oh, I think it was the foot enforcement of the lockdown and not being able to practice your art form in the traditional sense of it—that you would work in a studio, you could commute to the studio, or you'd be working in the theatre, um, or you'd be working in the exhibition hall. You know that that became impossible during that time, and so what happened was I experienced a pause. A pause in my practice, and um, like like many other artists, I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you know, uh, I did uh, probably the general population felt like that as well. But it was a little, I'd say, almost traumatic a, 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 at the start, um, and and then you just kind of thought, no, hang on, I'm a creative artist. I, I to look at those problem solving skills, you know, that I meant to have. Can I get a, Can I work around this in some way? And I didn't, And then, of course, um, that was followed back to back for me. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 21 and went through the treatment in 21. Um, so I'd covered cancer back to back and I came back to the re- the residency, uh, which I'd had with Garter Lane Arts Centre. And they had put the residency on hold for me to let me go off and do the treatment, uh, which was very successful, by the way. And uh, by the time I got back into the the studio, I really felt I I had not a diminished voice. I absolutely had a stronger voice in terms of, yeah, I've actually been through the mill now and... I'm ready to write about this a little bit and I'm ready to investigate this in my body and where else but in contemporary dance. Like it is the perfect place to explore your inner emotions and your inner landscape. And, you know, if your inner terrain has been affected, you know, by illness or by just having to stop. Or what you're doing, your physiology, you know, changes because if you stop. Um, I just thought, t- what, what would I say? Yeah, what, what would I, would I have anything interesting to say? <laughs> that was the thought that occurred to me in terms of the industry in general. Like, could I disseminate this? these findings, these little investigations I was doing in the studio, could I uh, disseminate them out to a larger community and would they be of interest uh, to um, the professional dance community or the professional theatre community or arts in general? Um, And it's also, you know, not even just that idea of
0: movement or going to a place to practice your art, (sighs) but the The importance of touch and everything was just, yeah. you know, so deeply felt by all of us. I think, and mm. being able to connect with your own self and then connect with others, you know, that that seemed to be just alien to the to everybody who was scrambling just to yeah. survive. Yeah, and so I can totally see. I mean, that that this would have quite a wide appeal. I presume, you know, there's so there's community groups. You're saying, you know, general the de- general dance community. That's kind of the audience that you're seeing for this. Book, you think?
1: Yeah, it's really aimed as um, a professional arts community, um, and by that I mean people who work full time in in theatre and the arts. Um, obviously, if you're a dance artist, you'd, uh, you'd you'd probably probably be very drawn to the body based experiences that are on every page. Um, but I've written it in such a way that it is what I call uh, it. It is one of those exercises where um it's so visually lush and the words are very chosen very selectively and there's very few of them there's i don't engage with heavy academic text in it whatsoever. In fact, it's probably the opposite of academic text, but it's meant to be refreshing on the eye and kind of revitalising as you go through the pages and they're all designed. There's different moods for different days. So we're complex human beings. Jenny, we come into the studio on different days and, and, you know, some days we want to make work and then other days we're having a really tough day, you know, but we've got to get the painting finished or we've, got to get this work completed, you know, and just that I'm really interested in the thoughts that go through your mind that prompt you to start, Mm. you know, or that stop you from starting. But I suppose my book is very positive in terms of it's it's it's, they're usually starting points Um, and it's using the a lot of time using the everyday things around you as the starting point. Um, to um, kind of counteracting that kind of feeling that we've all had post-COVID. Post, uh, you know, there's a lot of what I call inertia, you know, out there, you know, and tiredness, genuine tiredness from people um, because we've been asked to kind of juggle a lot Um you know, multitask, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be all things to all men, we have to be great on the technology, we have to be a great entertaining lecturer as well in front of our students, you know, present a good class with a good vibe, <laughs> you know. Um, Over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, oh yeah, so you're, you're, you're being split in different ways. It's almost like growing two brains. That that's what I that that whole experience felt like to me. That it was okay. This is well. This is the technology to the zoom, but and I have to grow a different head because I've never done that before. Um, um, and the in person then is the the other brain. Yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. And have you ever have you ever put together something like this before? Um, and especially you know this is this is an unusual one because you were working with your brother. So what yeah. was that like? You know, did, <laughs> did you know what you were doing to start off with? Or was this really a, a process between the two of you that that just kind of happened organically?
1: No, I have to say um, it happened completely organically. Um, my instructions were um, of, in terms of the funding was just go into the studio and reconnect you know, they because they uh, everyone knew I'd been through a treatment as well, and really, like everyone, just was quite gentle around that, um, which I really appreciated at the time. Um, and I think one of the learning kind of the learnings I took out of the whole experience was, God, that was really good. That was really productive. What actually came out of something that was so organic and small um, had huge manifestations because it was it was. Just a really, you know, came from simplicity rather than what happens a lot in the arts is you have to have your, um, you know, you're applying for your funding. You have to have your concept. You have to have uh, the project management side of it sorted out. Um, you know, you have the title of the piece, um, who's going to be involved. And everything is so prescriptive before you even get the funding to rehearse your devised mm. piece. Um it's, and that to me, um, this was the, the experience of working with prompts for the mover was the, the opposite of that. It's where you just run with a really good idea and, and you, you start from a small place and you it bills. And then suddenly I had a blog site Oh my gosh! Like I've never had a blog site in my life, so I was strip feeding then the you know things I was thinking about into the blog site weekly. Give us the name of the blog site. What's the name? (laughs) Yes, very simple to remember. Yeah, it's promptsforthemover.com. dot com, um, and they'll just uh, yeah, you'll you'll get what my um, weekly. You know, insights were uh, from being in the studio. Uh, then it became a, a movement workshop series. So I did a week in January, um, every morning in Garter Lane, and uh, opened it out to the professional arts community. And we had a great turnout, people every day. And I was trying out some of the ideas that I'd been working, some of the prompts that worked for me, and that moved me out of uh, the COVID period, the inertia. I was feeling at the time after treatment, um, and uh, some of those ideas really worked. So that was great. And then there's a pocket coming out with yes. it, like. And so, like, so the yeah. value of the or- just just not being prescriptive, yeah, uh, of just letting it organically grow. Like it was so uh, so came home to me with this. That's lovely. The freedom of it is just so yeah. important. That's part of it. Yeah,
0: um, and. What was your brother's role then? So, a fine art photographer, what does a fine art photographer actually do? I'm not sure if I know.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, Patrick's a very interesting character. Patrick Grant he's, um, um, <coughs> is a Wexford artist and um, he mainly um, concentrates on black and white photography. And he's had a period where he's been a photojournalist as well. So he's a very interesting kind of aid agency work as well. So he's a, he's a guy with a social conscience, should I say, a social justice, you know, cord running through his uh, core. Um, and he also has a love of theatre. So he's come in and he's photographed um, a few gigs that I've done before and projects that I've worked on before. But this, was, this is more intimate because this is talking about you know, uh, I suppose, kind of more uncomfortable topics of, you know, creative, when you have a block in creativity or when you're stuck and you just don't know how to regenerate kind of new ideas. And the, and my book is all about that. Um, so he had to come in and kind of put match each mood or each prompt with a, a photograph. So um, uh, I did tell him that I didn't want to be photographed. Uh, so that, that wasn't helpful <laughs> <laughs> oh he must have loved him. you for that so he yeah he, he did do a few photographs with me but I'm, I'm obscure in it you know I'm I'm very evasive in it and <laughs> it's obscure in them but he's done a great job you know it's and it's bespoke it's you know he didn't he didn't use any of the photography that he'd made before it was specific um, to each of the texts and it's just been a joy actually putting it together and what a lovely um, thing for the two of you to be involved with as siblings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. It doesn't happen every day. And um, I think I know when you've been through something like cancer as well and your siblings are around you, like they're very, um, they're so supportive and they can't do enough for you. And they really battle with... they Want to do more for you, uh, and I think this is kind of uh, Patrick's way in a way of you, you know yeah 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 I have your back covered there you know you know I wasn't really going able to go into the treatment room with you but you know I've caught you here <laughs> you know isn't that Fabulous! Yeah. That is
0: wonderful. Yeah.
1: Well, I can't believe yeah. it, but
0: our time is kind of up, and I, I just want to say it's just it been really, really interesting to me because this is not an area that I would know anything about. And mm. so, you know, we'd have meetings together, you know, the English yeah. and Theatre yeah. Studies gang, um, and sometimes we touch on some of the work that everybody is doing, and we never get into enough depth. So it was lovely to hear about it in a bit more depth. And I also think um, something that struck me is, you know, as academics working in an institution like this we can think that it's all about expanding our minds. And actually, I love to hear that in at least three of the various disciplines in this college, they are dedicated to thinking outside of that. It's fantastic. But also, I think the book sounds brilliant. It sounds like a great way of of returning to that, the power of movement, the power of touch, the power of connection. Um, And so thanks a million for that reminder and for for joining me today as well, Dee. It's been really great. Thank you. So I hope you've enjoyed listening and we look forward to welcoming you next time to The Nerve Podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, we are on Instagram and Facebook. See you next time.